You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Tony Telecasts from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. And we won't forget the day we fought for the right to be a Welcome, listeners, to a new miniseries, bringing you all the drama behind the drama of a theater season in Broadway history. In each podcast episode, we will watch a telecast of a previous Tony Awards to talk about the performances, the speeches, and the season as a whole. So let's dive in and talk about the 2013 Tony Awards. But first, Mo, take us back to 2013. All right. The 67th Annual Tony Awards took place on June 9th, 2013. After two years at New York's Beacon Theater, the show was broadcast live from Radio City Music Hall. From the moment the nominations were announced, the ceremony seemed destined to be a showdown between Kinky Boots and Matilda the Musical, Mm -hmm. with revivals of Pippin, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, and the mystery of Edwin Drood following close behind. Hosted by Neil Patrick Harris, the ceremony featured one of the most lauded openings in Tony Awards history, titled Bigger, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tom Kitt, and featuring the iconic line, We Were That Kid. Bigger featured more than 100 Broadway performers and eventually won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Music and Lyrics. But aside from the telecast itself, what was happening at the time, Aaron? 2013 was a lighter time, with seemingly less impact on the Broadway season as a whole, at least based on the more insular nature of the telecast and the speeches. President Barack Obama had just entered his second term in office, and the country's economy had essentially returned from the 2008 recession. The one major event that affected the industry as a whole that season was Hurricane Sandy that occurred the previous fall of 2012. Broadway shut down from Sunday through Wednesday in late October, effectively losing half a week of performances and $6.5 million in Broadway grosses. Again, thanks to our rousing opening number, Bigger, we were treated to a glimpse into the Broadway landscape of the 2012-2013 season. In addition to the season's newcomers, some Broadway staples that year included Once, Newsies, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, The Lion King, Jersey Boys, Mamma Mia, Chicago, Rock of Ages, and The Phantom of the Opera. Some fun notable shows that opened this season off-Broadway were Bear the Musical, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, Peter and the Starcatcher, and Second Stage's revival of The Last Five Years. Lastly, for our Smash listeners, hi guys, this is also the season that the fictional Bombshell and Hitless productions would have been a part of. Surprise! Always comes back to Smash. First, I want to say, Aaron J. Albano, you buried the lead. Because I didn't ever remember that you were in this telecast. Oh. How did that not come up when we when we picked it? I mean, I was in this telecast, but it wasn't like a focal point of the telecast. It was just, we did the opening. It was nice. And we introduced Matilda. Okay. As someone who's been on the Tony Awards precisely zero times, <laughs> how many times have you been on the Tony Awards, Aaron J. Albano? Twice. So the year that Newsies performed, and then the year that Newsies presented Matilda. So 2012 and 2013. Twice. That's it. Because 
is someone should be able to tell us about the Tony Awards if they were actually there. <laughs> oh my I gosh. Mean, yeah, it was great. I mean, what was cool about it was it was a year that I was at the Tonys where I had little to no stock in the season that was competing. Like the year that Newsies performed. It was like, oh my gosh, so much high tension, so much, are we going to win? Are we going to lose? What are we going to win? La, 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 la. Let's go to our Tony party. Let's go get dressed. Let's go get ready. Let's all the hype, all the excitement. This year, we did the opening. We hung out, sort of said hi to some people. And then I went home and watched the rest of the telecast at home. What was cool is that, like a small little shout out, because one of my closest friends from childhood, Colin Israel, was performing in the Matilda performance. And so it was a nice sort of like throwback to childhood moment where I was there for his first Tony performance and I was able to be a part of the people introducing his Tony performance, which was a really nice moment. When did you find out that you were going to be a part of this Tony performance? I want to say about a week before. Oh my God. I want to say it was about a week before because, you know, because, you know, all like these Tony performances get sort of thrown together within the like week or two prior. And I want to say initially they had the whole bigger opening planned. And I think it was just going to be a handful of Newsies. It was like a handful of Newsies that followed Neil down the aisle. And I think if I remember clearly, what was cool about our show is that because a lot of the original company got to do the Tonys before, they made the decision that like, the new company members were going to be a part of this year's. I think after maybe the first rehearsal, they realized that they wanted more Newsies to sort of fill out the entire aisle of Radio City Music Hall. So that's when they called the rest of us and were like, we want all the Newsies. So there was like a good, like maybe like half a week to a week where the original company Newsies were like, okay, it's, we're bummed that we don't get to do the Tonys, but we're good because that makes sense. And y'all need to have your moment at the Tonys too. And then we all got sort of surprised that we all got to be a part of it, which was fun. But I think that's when we had to sort of crash course what the plan was and crash course learn all of the choreography for the final chorus of the song. Ugh, yeah, but I want to say so we, we, we did not find out until... Very late. What a New York dream. You like find out you're going to be on the Tonys and you're like, quick, teach me the choreo. We're going to be on the Tonys. Like, it's- <laughs> that is such a theater dream. I'm obsessed. All right. So first, let's pour one out for the non-nominated shows. Yes. The non-nominated musicals are Scandalous, Hands on a Hard Body, Chaplin, and Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. Did you see any of those? I saw Jekyll and Hyde. I think that's the only one, though. I didn't see the other three. I saw four of them. Oh, you saw all of them? Work. Good yeah, job. I saw all four of them because I wasn't performing on Broadway that season, so I had the time. <laughs> I remember thinking Scandalous was just that. I remember thinking that Jekyll and Hyde, it was like, why is this on Broadway? This does not feel like a Broadway show to me. Mm-hmm. I remember having a lot of esteem for Chaplin, although not thinking it was like a show that really hit me. I liked Hands on a Hard Body. Okay. It's kind of like the, you know, it's like an ensemble pop rock show, and so it sort of fits up in my alley. I remember thinking it was problematic, but. Well, both of those shows, I think. Chaplin and Hands on a Hard Body are examples of shows where I'm like, I wish there was more footage in places because I didn't really know any of it. And I feel like at the time, all of us were like, like theater snobby, annoying people, which is sort of the reason why we wanted to do this to begin with, to call out these shows that were sort of 
lost to time because they didn't get the acclaim that they could have had on these Tony performances. Because this was essentially, would you say that it was Rob McClure's like sort of entrance onto this, the Broadway scene? Yeah, I think at this point, all he had done was Princeton and Avenue Q. And people were like, oh, who's this guy who all he did before was replace in Avenue Q. And now yeah. he's like incredible. Yeah, it was basically. And now he's like a Broadway icon. Because I remember whisperings and mutterings of him being great in Chaplin, but there's no stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish there were. Yeah. This is also the season in which Jesse Mueller and Andy Carl are in yellow face. Yes, they are. In in the mystery of Edwin Drood. And I just want to sort of like acknowledge that. Yeah. With a side note that I think that the show, the mystery of Edwin Drood sort of justifies like, oh, isn't it weird that these Caucasian English mm-hmm. actors are dressed up as Indian actors wearing yellow face? The conceit of the show and it's suspect anyway, but the conceit of the show is that it's this troupe of actors playing these roles. It's sort of very similar to, do you remember that scandalous production of The Nightingale that happened in, in La Jolla Playhouse? Mm-mm. It was an old Duncan Cheek, Stephen Sater show that got a lot of press because it was a show featuring a lot of Asian characters set in China that was cast not that way. Got it. And I think the conceit of the show, much like mystery of Edwin Drood is that it is a troop of actors that are playing these roles and you know it's not great but (laughs) it feels like in in the world of 2013 not feeling that long ago I was Mm -hmm. like would we still do this I mean would we not cause a ruckus as a theater community as a quote-unquote woke theater community I mean definitely now I mean apparently again like in 2013 we were all in this like very heavy veil of ignorance where we thought we were past all of this and Mm -hmm. in recent days we've realized we are absolutely 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 not so yeah I, I don't think this could happen now like unless you're any. watching Fox News and then racism doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Congrats. Let's talk about this opening number. This, this opening number is the best. Is there a better opening number in your mind? Is a mid-30-year-old person who probably has not seen the majority of Tony Award telecasts. The only one that jumps out to me is the 2004 One Night Only with Hugh Jackman. Oh, I did like that one too, yeah. That and one's then- really great. And that's that one, hopefully we get to watch that at some point. In this, in put the that paper in the in the I basket. I know, right? <laughs> put the paper in the basket because that one did a lot of the same things. Where like it included shows that weren't in the season that year. Because I remember it started with the three girl groups of the season, not even of the season that year, but like of the season that were on Broadway at the time. Right. It was the Dynamites from Hairspray. It was the Urchins from Little Shop, and it was the radio, the radio? from yeah from Carolina Carolina Change. Change. And it was awesome. And then it went into like the Rockettes. So it like brought in this like Radio City theme. And then like this production, it ended with like a big blowout of all the shows that happened to be on Broadway at the time. And so I loved it. I loved it a lot. I don't know if it's on par with this one because this one's so good. 
Break it down. For someone who hasn't seen it or is not in your camp, why is the 2013 Tony Award opener the best Tony Award opener? Oh, I mean, okay. The build of the song, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, just like the song tells it to, with shows that you know continuing to sort of pile on. I mean, and Neil Patrick Harris, if there was any question about the charisma of that man, it comes through full force in this number. And then we get to the end of it where it's been this big hullabaloo spectacle, but then we get that close up and he says that rap where it brings it all home Mm -hmm. to the sentiment of it all. And that's when you're like smiling, smiling, smiling. We were that kid and everyone starts crying. So good. And then it just comes right back and it's pandemonium of every show in New York in the middle of Radio City Music Hall. Like, it's so good. Did I miss anything? Do you have anything to add to that? I want to add one thing that I think is incredible. Uh Uh-huh. The the moment where it turns into special for me is when Neil Patrick Harris jumps through the hoop when he's introducing Pippin. (laughs) That's where it, like, turns for me from being, like, a a good opening number to a great opening number. The jump through the hoop? The jump through the hoop. It's early for me. And then, and then the rap. That is, like, the second special moment. Maybe even, like, the third or the fourth special moment. Okay. I counted the number of seconds the standing ovation lasted. And how long was it? Do you want to guess... On national television, live national television, primetime, granted the Tony CBS, you know, so it's not that important. But can you guess how long this was? 45 seconds? 58 seconds of national television. 58 seconds of primetime national television held. That's not, that's not short. That is not short at all. No, it's a really wow. long time. And the audience goes crazy. There's comes in waves. You, you like people are like breaking and then going back because they're like, it's over. It's not over. Like you can, Neil is like trying to shush the audience and move them on. And they won't because it is the best opening number. <laughs> and, Great. And Neil has to literally bring it back and be like, all right, we have more show to do. We have more show to do. Other high points of the telecast. The fact that both the best direction of a musical Tony and the best direction of a play Tony went to two women in our field, Diane Paulus for Pippin and Pam McKinnon for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I just, I I thought that was very stark for 2013, which is, like we just said, it wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago for that to be significant. Because this was also like before Waitress before Fun Home. Like, theater was still a big boys club. I know it was just seven years ago, but it was still a big boys club. It arguably still is. Mm -hmm. So this kind of accolades really stuck out to me, which was nice. What about you? I thought that the TV series montage where Patrick Harris sings with Andrew Reynolds, Megan Hilty, and Laura Benanti about how theater people love being on TV, but theater will always be their spiritual home. This is what a non-nominee show performance should be. Correct. Coming off of 1991, where we get like Robert Moore (laughs) singing, I believe in you from How to Succeed. Uh I'm like, less of that, more of this. Uh Because it's entertaining. Yeah. It has a point of view. It has some like fan favorites in it. It does exactly the thing it's supposed to do, which is like, 
reinvest middle American watching the second half of this. While still having a sense of humor about itself. Like the most self-aware stuff is often the funniest because all three of them are like, I mean, TV money, mm-hmm. TV money's TV money, bro. Like all of them, like throwing shade about whose TV show's still on and who yeah, got canceled. Yeah. When Laura Benanti comes out with that bottle and she's <laughs> like, TV sucks. I got two shows canceled. P.S. In COVID time, watching both of them take swigs out of that bottle stressed me out a tiny bit. Oh, gosh. But then they like turn to Will Chase. Do they say suck it, Will Chase? Is that the, is that I the phrase? I think so. Correct. Yes, that is it. And then Neil Patrick is like, don't suck anything, Will Chase. <laughs> Just that over-the-top bitterness was so delightful to watch. And true, and true. I think uh, as theater people, we're jaded people, right? So it (laughs) played into something about us. Yes. In a real, it was just great. It was. It was top-notch. I loved it. I think part of the other reason I liked 2013 so much, and both of these things relate to it, Mm -hmm. it's the intros from other shows (laughs) yes not always the most successful but it was a great job of saying this is a community slash this is an industry hey middle america you can come see one of the new shows or come see one of the old shows and yet sort of like had this whole feeling of like we're all in this together the high school musical reference is intentional yes i get yes absolutely i will get on board with you there it is an idea that i feel like someone had in like a controlled environment and was like, this would be great for the Tony performance. And then as the idea continued, it sort of started losing everything because these connections, whenever an old show would introduce a new show, they would intro it A, in character, which was just funny. Every time they introduce once as the characters only known as girl and guy. I was like, I was like, just don't say their character names. Just don't do it. But, the best part about the connections were Newsies introducing to Matilda. Cool. We're all revolting children. That all makes sense. We're all good to go. But then we get to Chicago, Velma Kelly and her two boys introducing Bring It On. And the connection is they're both movies and are now musicals. And that's literally the only connection. I was like, wait. And it gets sort of richer and richer and richer. <laughs> Like when Rock of Ages, when Lonnie and Dennis come out to introduce Cinderella because they're both fairy tale stories. I kind of loved that one. That was actually my favorite. I literally heard it and had to rewind it and be like, wait, did they say what I thought they said? But then Mama Mia intro kinky boots because they're also wearing boots. (laughs) Honestly, that's kind of one of the better ones, right? Right? Like, I quit. They've got, got we got boots. Let's see Kinky Boots. It was fun. It was like... It was super you know, Patrick fun. Patrick Harris having his face licked by Sandy from Annie, and then he sure. licks back. Like, it was just fun. <laughs> I want to ask how, like, some of the things that we call Tony Award tropes came into play. Okay. One of which is, how do we acknowledge the non-musicals? And was it successful? Okay. Yeah. Right. I feel like each Tony telecast, they're like trying something else to like get the plays in there. Yeah. Did you think it was successful on a scale of worst to best? On a scale of incorporating the play? Like moderately successful? Because are any of them (laughs) actually successful? Yeah. I feel like it's one of the better ones, but I still would have just refilled my drink at that point. Yeah, right. You'd just walk away. Like, I still would have gone to the bathroom. I still would have, to all of my friends being like, all right, we got a second. How are you doing? Like, Yeah, exactly. 
It wouldn't be one of those moments at your Tony party where you're like, nobody talk. Correct. But that said, it's still one of the better ones. So yeah, I guess so. I don't know. On a scale of one to ten and five being the best we got, I guess it's five. What did you think about the in memoriam? Speaking of other things that don't always land well. Do they not always land well? It's always definitely like a a more somber moment of the night, appropriately so. I feel like this one was a really successful one, though. I liked this one, too. It made sense. It was was a person who won. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The song is beautiful. I mean, like, again, like the energy took a dip without feeling inappropriate. And it was... Very authentic and very honoring of the people who had passed away that year. I hate the trope where, and I don't know how you would stop this. I'm not in charge of the Tony Awards, spoiler alert. (laughs) But I hate when people get applause or they're piping in the applause from the house. And then some people get applause and some people don't. And you're just like, Yeah, it's a little cringy. Just because like. It feels like it's a death popularity contest. And you're like, can we just just celebrate all of them? Because Mm -hmm. like. Every sort of, like, industry within the industry, I think, gets to put forth some people. Mm -hmm. So the makeup and hair people are not going to get as much applause as Marvin Hamlish. And and yet, because more people know who Marvin Hamlish are, Mm -hmm. they get applause and the... It, it just it yeah. ends up feeling, ugh. And I just wish they'd, like, cut the... And I feel like they've tried. I feel like they've... Once upon a time, maybe they've tried, like, a hold your applause till the very end or something. Maybe I'm making that up. But, like, yeah, I feel like people want to honor their peers almost too much that that wouldn't even work if they tried to do that. Which, I don't know, I'm conflicted. Because on one hand, like, yes, cheering for these people who've made a significant mark in our industry, you don't want to silence that. But at the same time, you want it to be as equitable as possible. Yeah. It's a tough thing. I don't know. I did think it was weird to see some of the people who we saw on stage in the 1991 telecast be memorialized in the 2013 memorial. So uh, real, especially because, yeah, because when Martin Richards... I was like, how do I know that name? And I was like, oh, because last week we saw him win an award. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, wow. I mean, and I think that's, that'll probably be probably the sort of the best thing that comes out of one of these things. Because I'm like, oh, this is literally putting our history from week to week and we get to like make these connections which is kind of cool all right the conversation is going so well we have so much left to talk about so we are going to come back for a part two of 2013 get ready folks (laughs) we're in part two we will talk about the uh performances and what we thought was the most successful parts of the telecast itself perfect the ensemblist was produced today by me mo brady and by me aaron albano special thanks to wasif sammy for providing the background research for this broadway season there are two great ways you can be helping the ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash the ensemblist. Please follow the ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Until next time. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.